today on CityCast Denver. The Denver metro area's main provider of public transit, RTD, has not been doing well. There are not enough bus drivers, there's not enough riders, and most of their budget is tied up in an ever-mounting pile of debt. And all that was before the pandemic. So now that there's federal aid money available to help get public transportation back up to speed, why are Governor Polis and the Colorado Department of Transportation diverting $34 million away from RTD and giving it directly to Boulder County? Today is Monday, November 1st, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. I'm a five-month-old. You do? <laughs> How did I not? This pandemic, so do I. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Congratulations. <laughs> when I was growing up here, my family all had cars. We drove everywhere. I never worried about getting stuck anywhere or showing up to school four hours late or anything like that. So I'm always struck when I hear someone like my friend Chantel Lewis talk about how she grew up in the same city. I, so I grew up in Five Points. M- multiple generations of my family have actually been born and raised in Five Points. And um, we caught the bus everywhere. So my mom didn't have a car. I actually don't recall us having a car, a um, working car, until I was in the eighth, like seventh or eighth grade. And so at a very, very, very young age, I became aware of what it meant to provide access, right, that educational opportunity, and also what barriers often existed to that access. When Chantel grew up, she got a job working for RTD. She learned about public transportation from the inside. Then she took it one step further and ran to be on RTD's board of directors, and she won. I wasn't interested necessarily in being an elected representative, um, and quite, <laughs> quite frankly, but you know, I'm not sure still. However, <laughs> um, what it has allowed me to do is really bring the voice of those who are most impacted by our decisions to be a part of our decision-making, right? And to be considered at minimum in processes that impact them. And and it, I think that that kind of rolls into my next question, which is, you know, it's been a terrible couple of years for everyone um, with the pandemic, but RTD definitely suffered and has been facing major issues for a while. But can you explain a little bit of the situation um, that the pandemic put RTD in? You've hit the nail on the head. RTD has been suffer for, suffering for a while. And really, the pandemic just added to that suffering, right? And we, we've really been in a space where we've had a lack of resources, financial resources, um, and also um, people, right, our, our folks to be able to utilize our services. So in the onset of the pandemic, uh, even prior to the pandemic, but really during the onset of the pandemic, we were requiring our operators to work six days per week in order to meet the demand um, of our system. And we, we lost a lot of fair revenue because there, the people who were utilizing our services, a lot of the people that were utilizing our services rather, were now working from home. And so the folks who were utilizing our services and, and the pandemic just really put us in a place where we had to limit the services that we were provided. So we went to what you call pandemic service, which was moving all of our services to a Saturday, Sunday schedule. And what a Saturday, Sunday schedule is typically they run less frequently. And so you might have a bus that runs 
every 10 minutes, now running every 15 minutes, or a bus that's running every 15 minutes that now is running every hour. And that's hard, right? That's hard on communities. Um, and so, you know, we're in a precarious situation as an agency because we're moving into the direction of being more equitable. And when we talk about equity and folks have not seen equity in transit before, it's, I think it's been difficult uh, for folks to um, buy into, to accept, um, to move forward in. The situations you're describing right now, especially when you talk about ridership during the pandemic, is we started to see folks drop off, not just because I think they were not they were working from home, um, but I think that it also was indicative of folks that had the luxury to ride versus the necessity to ride. That's exactly right. And I think that kind of gets into this issue that we're going to talk about now, which is sort of why I wanted to talk to you today and in particular, was a funding issue that we had come up recently. And so a few weeks ago, there was the promise of $34.2 million in federal aid money. But then the head of CDOT, the Colorado Department of Transportation, sent RTD this ultimatum that said either you use this money to restore specific routes serving Boulder County or we're not giving it to you. Can you talk about your reaction to that? Because you wrote an op-ed, but can you just sort of explain for listeners what, what your experience was learning and reading that. Yeah, I was, I was just absolutely devastated. Um, and I was so disappointed to see a representative appointed by the governor who is supposed to represent the interests right of the entire state, send to the general manager to the board of directors of RTD an ultimatum, right? Ransom, that if we don't spend these dollars in a way that is one, unethical, but two, in conflict in terms of the equity in which we have agreed to as a board and as an agency to restore our services, just really being flabbergasted by such a request. The, the issue with that request, um, aside from it being unethical, is it's not actually how we plan our transit services, right? And so we don't plan our transit services based on who has the most financial capital, based on who has the most political capital, based on who has the most social capital. We plan our, our transit in a way that meets the guidelines, one, for the Federal Transit Administration, which requires us to do a Title VI equity analysis. And so I was very, very disappointed, but I was also very clear that that was not something that we could do. And if it came at the expense of us losing $34 million, that all of us on the board, the governor, CDOT, right, would all be okay. And the folks who were harmed by such a petty and parochial decision would be the folks who need and utilize our services to, to thrive and to quite frankly live. Yeah, I'm thinking about the juxtaposition between someone who most likely is riding that bus to Boulder and someone who maybe is taking public transit from, say, Green Valley Ranch to, you know, Denver Health. You know, maybe they're a Denver Health worker. Mm -hmm. it, it sucks that we have to say, you know, we have to even in an ideal world, everybody would have access to public transit. It would Absolutely. it would solve so many problems that we talk about all the time. Traffic, da, 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 da. But we're pitting communities against communities. Yes. Which is wild. Unnecessary. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. 
because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. So I think it's time to talk about Governor Polis's role here. The head of CDOT who sent this letter was appointed by Polis, who's from Boulder, who lives in Boulder, and who everyone says has a grudge against RTD because it never built the long-promised train from Denver to Boulder that voters actually approved in 2004. How do you think that context informed the ultimatum CDOT gave to you guys? I, I think, at least in my experience on the board, as Boulder feels as though that they have been left out of the RTD conversation, um, the the exec- the implementation rather of services, and I could say that's not further from the truth. But I think when you when you operate from a state of privilege, anything feels like oppression, um, and and I think that's what's happening is that there are folks who believe that they are being oppressed or harmed because we are centering those who are actually utilizing our services, and and I and I don't want to. I don't want to um, come off as I'm being um, less than empathetic to the folks within Boulder who were promised this train. Um, I'm not. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult for me as an elected to tell them, hey, we ain't got no money. Right. And and so I think that Boulder is really I think the leadership in Boulder rather not less the constituents and maybe they're being fueled by or informed by their constituents are not really thinking about how do we take care of one another from a regional perspective and how do we ensure that we are operating from a lens of regionalism and doing so in a way that is equitable. But because we're talking about those with financial resources, um, financial capital, uh, social capital, political capital, then they really get to create the dominate rather the narrative. Um, And so the relationship has been you know, touch and go. It's been, how do we appease Boulder? How do we um, make for a relationship that's collaborative, even when we are, when we are, you know, given a, a, a ransom letter, right? <laughs> right. So it's been very interesting. So how did RTD respond to that? RTD said, hey, thank you so much. Um, you all have the authority, if you will, um, to do whatever it is that you want with those dollars, and we will support you and what that looks like. We're happy to work in partnership with you and determining what that looks like. So do we know what CDOT is going to do with that $34 million? Those dollars will be going to Boulder County. Um, and so Boulder County will need to do some things to establish themselves so that they can utilize those dollars. They would need to stand up a program to meet the requirements um, as outlined by the federal government, just like RTD does, right? So they essentially have accepted money without a plan. And that plan may not even come to fruition for the next one to two years. So Boulder County accepted this money without having a transit 
system in, in place, basically, is what you're saying. Exactly. So where does this leave RTD? Uh, that's a big question. It is. It's a, it's a big question. It's a fair question. We will be fine for 2022. And in 2023, we will figure it out as we always do. Um, and we'll continue to apply for, go after um, funding um, from the feds or grants or whatever um, to be able to figure out how we sustain our, our operation uh, for those who rely on our services. So essentially you're saying you you all had not put a plan in place to utilize those funds so you'll you'll be fine it was it's not that you couldn't absolutely use that 34 million they're just it wasn't planned for so exactly and so you know i i i think boulder is not recognizing that public transit is much bigger than boulder and also that there are services the ones that they the ones that they um outline for us to reinstore those don't just travel within the city and county of Boulder, right? From a geographical standpoint, those travel outside of Boulder and into other municipalities, into other jurisdictions. And that is the purpose of regionalism. Like people don't travel just within the confines of Denver, right? The 15, for example, goes through Aurora, Denver, Lakewood, right? Like, come on, folks, come on. Yeah. Well, and honestly, constituents and writers don't think of things that way either. They're not like, well, it's outside of our geographical what they don't care they don't they're like i just need to get from my job to my house exactly and that may cross multiple municipalities yes and i shouldn't have to get off a bus in denver to get on a bus in aurora because my elected officials can't get it together <laughs> come on folks <laughs> like that's what we're talking about right our our appointees can't get it together um and so i would just encourage us to really um, center our love um, for one another and our humanity, right, for one another and the decisions are we are making and not to just think about the impacts that the decisions have on us, but what, what are the impacts to those who don't have the means or the resources um, that we might and how do we center those folks um, in our, our decision making and how do we center those folks in our, in our advocacy. Chantel Lewis, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. And here's what else is happening in Denver today. Another show of strength from organized labor. Security officers at DIA are planning to strike tomorrow, Election Day, after negotiations broke down between their union and the company that employs them, High Risk Security Services. Fox 31 reports that officers have asked for higher pay and better working conditions, and HSS was not able to meet those requests. HSS also provides security services for the web building, which is the polling place. Officers plan to strike there as well. Coming fall 2022, Meow Wolf Highlands Casa Bonita Express pop-up experience. Those words briefly appeared on a banner at the corner of 38th and Irving on the north side last week. And for a few hours, it was all any of us could talk about. Denverite sent a reporter to investigate, and she discovered that the QR code at the bottom of the banner was linked to a Rick Astley video. Meow Wolf was not behind it, and the identity of the prankster remains a mystery. Never gonna tell a lie and hurt you. 
That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. Paul's gone. It's just me alone in a Zoom. Oh. (laughs) I was like, this is the real haunted house. Being in a Zoom thinking you're alone. But you're not.